Time for seafood news. You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News staff writer Ryan Doyle. And I'm Ernaberry market reporter Lauren Castiglione. This episode is brought to you by Ernaberry Consulting. Ernaberry Consulting provides tailored solutions to identify growth opportunities within the fast paced protein commodity sectors. Combining the expertise of our analytical team, our warehouse of proprietary and trusted data, and unparalleled insight into market forecasting, Ernaberry Consulting will not only pinpoint developing global trends, but assist you in knowing exactly when and how to adopt them to maximize your return. Call 732-240-5330 for more information. Kicking things off today, the Alaska Department of Fish and Game announced that on September 3rd that the Bristol Bay Red King Crab Fishery will be closed for the 2021 and 2022 season because there are too few mature females to sustainably open the fishery. The fishery was last closed over 25 years ago in the 1994-1995 season. This year's survey and preliminary stock assessment model information showed that mature female abundance continued on its 12-year downward trend and dipped below the 8.4 million animal threshold to open the fishery. Bristol Bay Red King Crab is one of four Red King Crab fisheries in western Alaska, but it is the largest and nearly the last remaining. In the 2016-2017 crab season, fishermen caught 7.6 million pounds of Bristol Bay Red King Crab, dropping to 5.9 million in 2018 and 2019, and 3.9 million in 2019-2020. Last year, 10 vessels caught 264,000 pounds, and this year the fleet is about about 80% through an annual quota of 361,000 pounds. King crab is the largest of Alaska's four main varieties of crab, with males weighing up to 24 pounds and a leg span of five feet. More information on Bristol Bay. Yeah, that's, I saw that. I was like, that's insane. That's bigger than my toddler. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's a, Lauren, that's a great way to put it. That is a great way to put it. Yeah, those things are massive. Um, More information on Bristol Bay red king crab, as well as snow and tanner crab, will be available during the crab plan team meeting held from September 13th through the 16th. In his monthly newsletter, seafood consultant Les Hodges noted that typically the fall season is a great time for king crab and snow crab inventory replenishment in world markets with preparation for the holiday seasons. Unfortunately, this will not be the case this year for either king or snow crab. Alongside the bad news for the Bristol Bay Red King crab season, Hodges noted that snow crab producing areas are nearing completion of their 2021 quotas along with rising U.S. imports. He continued to explain that with the U.S. demand for snow crab already seen this year, it is expected that moving forward, the snow crab inventories will be limited. And in our next story, the first phase of the Atlantic Large Whale Take Reduction Plan modifications was introduced by NOAA Fisheries on August 31st. NOAA initially shared its proposed changes to the plan at the end of 2020 when it said the changes aimed to further reduce the impact of entanglements and fishing gear on right whales in the U.S. waters. NOAA said that fishing gear entanglement is the primary cause of mortalities and serious injuries to endangered North Atlantic right whales, of which less than 400 are living. Among the changes is the closure of a 950 square mile area in the Gulf of Maine that will be off limits to traditional lobstering from October through January, the most lucrative season according to the Portland Press-Herald. The changes are set to go into effect May 1st, 2022, at the start of the American Lobster and Jonah Crab Fishing Year. The modifications to the seasonally restricted areas will go into effect 30 days from the announcement. 
Further rule changes include modifying gear, marking to introduce state-specific colors for gear marks, requiring weak insertions or weak rope in buoy lines, and modifying existing seasonal closure or restricted areas to allow ropeless fishing, to name a few. Shortly after the announced changes, the Maine Lobstermen's Association responded to the rule changes, stating that it was concerned that NOAA is placing an unwarranted burden on the Maine lobster fishery. The MLA noted three overarching concerns. First, the Maine Lobster Management Area 1 Season Restricted Area is much larger than it needs to be to reduce risk from the Maine lobster fishery. Second, the NMFS has made drastic last-minute changes to the gear marking requirements for Maine, which will likely require lobstermen to purchase a second set of buoy lines to fish legally marked gear. Finally, the, the final rule lacks the flexibility for lobstermen to innovate and propose equally protective yet costly approaches. Politicians from Maine mirrored much of the concern the MLA shared. Governor of Maine Janet Mills wrote a letter of solidarity to the state's lobster industry on September 1st, saying she will work with Maine's congressional delegation to determine the best way to address concerns. And moving along, Klosterbor International Forwarding and Alaska Reefer Management filed a motion for a temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction in U.S. District Court in Anchorage to stop a U.S. Customs and Border Protection enforcement action that threatens to bring shipping of Alaska seafood from Dutch Harbor to U.S. customers on the East Coast through the Canadian port of Bayside, New Brunswick, and onward to Maine to a standstill. Beginning August 9th, the Customs and Border Protection began issuing enormous penalty notices for alleged violations of the Jones Act, without specific explanations about what part of the Jones Act had been violated. According to the court documents, CBP issued more than 170 penalty notices, which collectively totaled more than $350 million in fines, covering a time period back nearly five years. And until two weeks ago, the industry had no hint that the CBP was reconsidering its long-standing approval of the route and preparing notices of penalties amounting to over $350 million. Nothing in the notices of penalties provided any specificity about the alleged conduct that constitutes a Jones Act violation or any rationale for the CBP's apparent reversal of its long-standing ruling, the companies said. And for our final story of the day, hockey fans, concert goers, and the like will be able to grab a bite of wild Alaskan seafood thanks to the new Bristol Bay Wild Market that will be located in Seattle's Climate Pledge Arena. We've been talking about a lot of serious stuff so far, Lauren, so I, I kind of like how we can end this episode on a little bit of fun here. Um, this is, this I is, agree. Yeah, this is really neat. Um, the Climate Pledge Arena is going under, or excuse me, is undergoing a massive billion dollar redevelopment and it's set to open in October of this year um, as the home of the National Hockey League's newest franchise, the Seattle Kraken. Uh, the new marketplace was described as a perfect partner for the Alaskan seafood organizations and the sustainability goals of Climate Pledge Arena. The Seafood Marketplace was a collaboration between the Bristol Bay Native Corporation, Bristol Bay Regional Seafood Development Association, and Bristol Wild Seafood Company. Attendees can grab some wild Alaskan panko cod street tacos, grilled wild sockeye street tacos, wild Alaskan cod fish and chips, Bristol Bay wild sockeye filet and baguettes, and seasonal clam and Bering Sea wild Alaskan cod chowder. And yum. Lord, I just, I think, yeah, it is yum. And it, it, I think it's just a really neat um, option for, for fans of, uh, you know, whatever music's going to be there or a uh, hockey game that's going to be playing. I think if when you go to a sporting event, you kind of think of like hot dogs and chicken fingers, right? right. But this is, this is something that's really different, you know, especially 
every sports fan, every fan of music or whatever the event might be is itching to go back out to these events. Um, yeah. and I, you know, I think this is something that would really, uh, is a good look for, for Alaskan seafood and just seafood in general, because, you know, I, I was able to go to a few events this summer and, you know, that's what I do. You get a, you get a hot dog, you get a beer, right? And this and that, right? You don't get anything different. Um, so this is something I think that if you're willing to, you know, you know, go, go, go a little different. I think it's, I think it's neat. And the options look really good and, and yummy. Yeah. You know, you think with seafood, it's not very like portable, you know, but mm-hmm. all these options look, you know, easy to eat. They all look delicious. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for the, the exposure that, that not only the seafood industry, but the Alaskan seafood industry is going to gain from, uh, from this collaboration. Yeah, I, I hope maybe this will be a trend. And as you know, people are excited to go back to these events, maybe we'll see some more seafood options. Uh, and in their, in their multi-billion dollar um, budget, if they have an extra $350 million left over, maybe yeah. they can help out on that uh, the Jones Act <laughs> violations. Yes, 100%. 100%. <laughs> And that's going to do it for us today. Uh, once again, this episode is brought to you by Ernerberry Consulting. Call 732-240-5330 for more information. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.